Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra Leah Shalom. Her philanthropy has, has reached so many throughout the entire world. The month of Kobu is dedicated in honor of Rachel Saya, donated by her children. The breakfast in the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Nishmat Esther Bat Victoria, sponsored by the Shuai family, and as well uh, in memory of Lilu uh, Nishmat, my wife's uncle, Rabhaim Moshe Zeev Ben Israel. Ruach Eden. The Pasuk tells us a very interesting occurrence that happens to Avraham Avinu. The Pasuk says that God says to Avraham, God says to himself, Am I going to cover up from Avraham what I'm doing? I got to tell him, I'm planning on destroying Sodom. The people there are the absolute worst. They're criminals. They're uh, selfish. They're self-absorbed. They hate guests. They do everything that is the opposite of you. I'm destroying them. What's Avraham's response to finding out that the antithesis of what he is is going to be destroyed? What's Avraham's response? Avraham says, let's have a deal. Dachilak, what if there's 50 sadikim in the city? Could you please maybe have mercy before that? God says, sure, no problem. 50, 50 people, you got it. What if there's 45? What if there's on, on, on? What if there's 10? Hashem says, I'm not going to destroy even for the 10. Avraham is literally bargaining for the lives of the people of the Anshe Sedom. My friends, I want to share with you an incredible understanding about what's going on here. And the way that I'd like to kind of bring it across is by um, expressing something that happened with uh, one of the great tzaddikim of our generation, Rabbi Steinman. Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman was one of the great tzaddikim, one of the great gedolim of the past uh, generation. And he was a Rosh Yeshiva, he headed a Yeshiva, and many of the young Rosh Yeshiva would come to him to ask him for his advice. Anyway, one day a rabbi comes to him, the rabbi says, listen, I have this guy in the school, I got to throw him out. You don't know, he's disrupting class, he's bringing things in, he's ruining the other kids, he's this, he comes late, he doesn't show respect. On and on and on, he's giving him all the reasons why the kid should not be in the school and he has to throw him out. Anyway, he finishes 10 different reasons about why the guy must be thrown out of the yeshiva. Rabbi Steinman turns to him and he says, aha, I understand, okay. Tell me, what's his mother's name? The guy's like, what's his mother's? I don't know what his mother's name is, but Rabbi, we have to throw him out for this reason. He goes, what's his mother's name? The guy says, I don't, I don't know what his mother's name is. The rabbi looks at the Rosh Hashiva in the eyes and he says, you know what that tells me? That tells me that you have not yet begun to pray for this boy. If you don't know his mother's name, you're not praying for him. And if you're not praying for him, what right do you have to throw him out of the school? Maybe everything that he's doing is wrong. But what you're doing is also wrong. Because you're not on his side. You're not fighting for him. You're not praying for him. My friends, this idea is a tremendous concept. Avraham Avinu has every reason in the world to write the people of Sodom off. They're horrible people. Da -da 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 -da. A distance himself. They're the other people. Walk away. These people are hopeless. These people deserve it even. Not even that I'm not, they deserve it. I'm excited. You know, I'm going to like the first match. My friends, that's not what an Avraham Avinu does. Avraham tries every possible way to reach out to somebody, to save that person. Sometimes you have people in the community, they come Shabbat, they come to the Be'er Knesset, and they don't know better. And they're doing things that maybe for us is really the antithesis of Shabbat. 
We had someone here once who was following the Kriya, the, Kriya, the reading of the Torah on Shabbat on her phone. Someone comes up to her, what are you doing? Sitting there with your phone in the middle of the shul on Shabbat. She felt very embarrassed. Now, if she's doing it on purpose, she's trying to stick it in your eye, she's trying to rebel, trying to show that she... It's one thing. But she had no idea. What's the problem? I'm following along in the, in the reading. I'm trying to read the Torah with the rabbi, with the, with the Baal Koreh. What does that person need? That person doesn't need you to yell at them. They need you to get them a chumash. They need you to tell them, perhaps, that you know what, in this synagogue, we don't have... There was one guy who walked in a couple of weeks ago, in the middle of Musaf, and is on his phone. So I walk up to him, and I said to him, so nice to have you with us. It's so wonderful that you're here. You know, in this synagogue, we don't use a phone on Shabbat. Would it be okay, maybe to kind of push off whatever you need to do, until after you leave the show? He goes, oh, sure, Rabbi, of course. He goes, can I, do I use it in the hallway? I said, you know what, better would be if you didn't use it outside the hallway. Maybe if you didn't use it outside the, outside the shul. And you know what, I said, and if you could even wait till after Shabbat, that would be ideal. I said, but in general, I said, but you know we're going to have, but please make sure, you know, if you, if you leave, if you leave the knees, I told him, please make sure, if you leave the knees, I said, come back, make sure we're going to start the Kiddush at about 11.20. I made sure the guy understood that while we understand you, we appreciate you. We have a way of life here. We have a way that we do things here in the nicest possible way. We love you. But you know what? There's a way to do it. There's a way to give rebuke. The rabbi asked him, how do you want to throw him out if you never prayed for him once? If you didn't pray for him, you didn't try everything that you could. Why does God tell Abraham he's going to destroy the people of Sodom? What is he giving up a heads up news? Is that what it, God is... Uh, you know, Fox News, CNN, for sure not, right? What is God? He's telling him, breaking news, Abraham, I'm destroying Sodom. Break from Sodom and Amorah, Admos, Soyim. Uh, seems like sulfur is raining down on the people, right? But I think they deserve, is that what God is reporting? Why does God tell Abraham about Sodom? He tells him, so that he'll pray. What does God say to Moshe? Heref memeni, stand aside. After the Jews sinned with the golden calf, God says, stand aside, I'm going to destroy them. What does God want Moshe to do? Please, Hashem. Please, don't. We read it, right? Uh, every single fast day, we read, Moshe that Moshe prayed to God and he saved the Jewish people with his prayers. So my friends, if the purpose of God telling Abraham about Sodom was to get Abraham to pray for Sodom, then how come the prayers didn't work? My friends, at the end of the day, Borei Olam wants to see us try even impossible things. God wants us to fail while trying. Because if a person doesn't fail while trying, they are not trying hard enough. Again, I can't say this enough. In every area of a person's life, a person pushes themselves, correct? But you have people who never fail. The ultimate failure in life is a person who's never failed. You know why? Because that means that he or she has set their sights too low. They never tried something that involved any risk. They never put themselves beyond their comfort zone. So everything that they ever did, they succeeded at. If you won every contest, every basketball game you ever played, stop playing with children. 
Hazaku Baruch. You won every basketball game. That's because you're able-bodied in the Special Olympics. You're not playing with the right people. You're not engaging in a situation which is testing you enough. What Rav Aaron Leib was teaching this man was not just you didn't pray for him. He was teaching him you didn't try everything. The Jewish people, we're unique people. We have learned through experience over time that what everyone else calls impossible is really only improbable. Because we as a people are impossible. Our achievements are impossible. The land of Israel with its success since 1948 is impossible. And it's only Israelis that have been there for the show, that have been there throughout, that understand just how impossible Israel is. If you're a tourist and you rocked up to Tel Aviv and you went to a beach and had falafel, you don't understand the Israeli story. If you went to the Waldorf Astoria and you had a continental breakfast and then went to the Kotel, you know, by ordering a cab on your Get app, you don't understand the story of Israel. But if you fought in its armies and you saw the miracles of what it had to overcome, if you remember what Yerushalayim was like, I just was in Israel and I was trying to find my way. I lived in Israel two years single, six and a half years married. I was there for a long time. I know Yerushalayim well. I went to try and find someone's apartment in an area that I used to visit nearly almost every day. I couldn't find the apartment. Anyone that remembers what Tnuva used to look like. There was a whole mountainside over there where they had a milk factory in the middle of Bar, of Barilan, uh, what's it called? Levi Eshkol Barilan, what's it called? What's the end of the street called? Uh, I forgot the end of the street. Someone will tell me. Okay? My friends, the top of that hill was Tnuva. I went there today. Forget there's no Tnuva. There's no hill. It's all apartment buildings. I'm looking for the turn that goes down to the Rav Shefa Mall because I'm trying to go to this Levaya at Shamgar. I can't find it because I remember how the turn looks. What am I looking for on my left side to try and find my way to turn? I'm looking for that restaurant, Eshel Avraham. It sat there on the corner for, I don't know, God knows how many years. I think when God created the world, Eshel Avraham was put over there. The shawarma is, you know, ancient. Baruch Hashem. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Nothing exists. All these places that used to be open spaces are now... Israel is a miracle. The Jewish people is a miracle. What we have going on right here in New York City is a miracle. But you know what happens? If we are a people of impossible then I want to ask a question. Why is it that we are selective in the things, in the impossible things that we're willing to try? I can't make peace with my brother, with my brother, with my cousin, with my uncle. Impossible. What does that word mean? I can't reconcile with my wife. We have to divorce. It's impossible. What does that word mean? I don't know what that word means. I can't learn, Rabbi. I don't know how to read Hebrew properly. Learning for me, impossible. I don't know what that word means. Rabbi, you want me to come to the class? I have the worst ADHD. I have the worst ADHD since records began. It's impossible. I don't know what that word means. The same ADHD guy goes to the football game and pays close attention and he's adjusting his bets every 30 seconds on the stupid app, right? He's paying every attention. He's following 94 receivers, 22 quarterbacks. He has all the details in his mind. Mr. ADHD, Dachilak, 
Stop, sell it to somebody else. When you want to concentrate, somehow you figure out how. You just decided that you don't want this to be the impossible thing. My friends, God needed to teach the Jewish people that you do the right thing even if you don't think it will work. It's not going to work anyway, Rabbi. Why should I bother trying turning up in my marriage when my wife is already checked out? It's impossible. Sorry, you do yours. You come in, you try. You come, you approach, you approach a situation, you pray. Would you pray? You know her mother's name? Oh, I don't know, there's nothing I could do to make up with my friend. Really? Have you prayed for it? Do we pray for shalom? Did you pray to be able? How many ADHD guys that tell you you can't sit in the class? Did you pray to be able to sit in the class? The same way you said, Sha'are Parnasa, Amen! Did you pray for Sha'are Torah with the same Amen? So don't talk to me about impossible. If you're not trying impossible things, you're not getting it right. My friends, I want to end with this idea because I think that there's something here which is beautiful. At the end of this story, we understand that God says that for the sake of ten, I'll save all five cities. I'll save them. Wild. Ten people. You have a minyan, what do you have? The 7.30 minyan, Sammy. You have ten people, you have a 7.30 minyan. Right. Nobody thinks that with 10 people you save the whole situation. Nobody thinks that, right? But God himself says that 10 good men is enough. You hear that? In this knis, we have a lot of people that do a lot of great things for the synagogue. People who step up to the mark, they bring things to the table, they start new initiatives, they want to help out. But really all it takes is 10 good people. We have a lot of events that work out for singles. If you're listening to this and you live in Manhattan and you're a, a single guy or girl, reach out to us. Tell me. Tell Jessica. Tell the synagogue. I want to be on a committee. I want to help arrange events. I want to get people to come. If you're a young couple, you want people to come together, you want to build a community in the city, reach out to us. Impossible in the city. Everyone lives in their own shoebox apartment in the sky. No one's. It's impossible to create community in Manhattan. Lies. We're doing it. We're seeing it. It's happening here. You want to be part of that? Reach out. The impossible is only improbable for Am Yisrael. We have learned that time and time again. You want to be able to build a class? Ask. If you don't ask, it's not going to happen. God brings rain only after Adam Harishon is created. Because Adam Harishon asks for the rain. You didn't ask Hashem, He's not going to give it to you. You thought it was impossible, so you didn't ask? What is impossible? What is that? Am Yisrael lives in a different way. And I want to share, because it's, it's funny to me that people don't think of themselves in this manner. You know, you think of a spiritual person. I'm going to ask everyone in this room who's listening. Think of a spiritual person. Who's a spiritual person that you know? Huh? Spiritual person. You know someone very spiritual you got? Points at Boaz. 
Right? You know someone spiritual? He's pointing at his children. Hazaku Baruch. I'm assuming you're your children. If not, we'll call the police. It's okay. <laughs> Kidnapping. I don't know what's going on. Okay? Dave, you know someone very spiritual? Me, you're pointing at. Okay, Hazaku Baruch. <laughs> he didn't really mean me. He meant you and your capacity to do good, do good today. <laughs> My friends, we have private jokes in this year, okay? Guys, Everybody, when they think of spiritual people, I ask Yigal, he points at bars. I ask this guy, I don't know his name, he points at his kids. I ask Davey, he points at me. Point at yourself! What are you doing here when you could be at work? Why did you come to shul this morning? You're a spiritual person. When someone's sick in the hospital, what do you do? You ask everyone, please say Tehillim. What does Tehillim have to do with his blood pressure? We don't think of ourselves as spiritual beings. We think we need to go to a rabbi to pray. It's great to go to rabbis to pray. We have a great here with us. Cham Mansur, wonderful Berachot, tremendous Zichuyot. Amazing. But you yourself are a spiritual being. You yourself believe in this. I want to share with you a wild story. There was a young family who lived in Bnei Barak. Anyway, one day... They see outside their house, there's this old, decrepit guy sitting there like this, cold. He calls him and he says, look, you look like you haven't had a meal in a while. Why don't you come inside? I'll give you something to eat. Guy says, thank you so much, I can't believe it. He gives him a little food. The guy feels so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The next day, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., the guy outside the house, again, welcome him in, have some food every day. 5 p.m., this became a thing. The guy comes, he has some sort of dinner by the house. Now, it starts to get a lot, but what are you going to tell the guy? He's hungry, he's outside. So they give him every day. A few years pass, and every day they have just adopted another mouth to feed, and they don't have that much money themselves. A few years go by, and this young family eventually has another child or two, and they decide they need to move to to an apartment that's a little bit bigger. And the husband sits and talks to his wife, and he says, listen, honey, you know, Here's our chance to make a clean break from the guy who comes to dinner every night. His wife says, what do you mean? She says, well, he knows our address here. We don't got to tell him where we're forwarding our mail to. I'm not going to throw him out of the house, but when we move, we'll move and then someone else will pitch in and someone else will take care. It's not our responsibility to feed the guy dinner every day. The wife says, you know what, you're right. They moved to their new apartment. Anyway, the wife is there, all getting settled in, comes dinner time, she's serving the dinner, she opens up one of the drawers, the wife lets out a scream that could wake the dead. Ah! Husband comes running into the room. Every husband in his life has had this experience. You come running in, you want to know who's dead, who did they elect to be the governor of New York? You want to find out what is the problem here? And it turns out it's like a mosquito or an ant, right? You know how you know those moments? Kill it, kill it! She has the drawer open. Inside the drawer is a scorpion. Scorpions can kill you. Has this murderous, poisonous sting on the back. Boom. Very fast. They're hard to kill, by the way. Akravim. She's freaking out. The husband takes all this time to finally gets rid of it. The next day, another one. The next day, another one. The next day, they have a plague of scorpions in their new apartment. The guy can't go. He's losing his mind. I don't know if anyone here has ever had an infestation that you can't get rid of, right? It's a disaster. 
You st- it like takes a, a physical toll on you. You're flipping out. You have some people can't get rid of mice. They can't get rid of moths. Or they can't get rid of, uh, you know, it's uh, cockroaches. It's, it's uh, like you think you're finally done. And then running across the... Yeah, any... <laughs> the woman, she can't catch the, the, the cockroach anymore, so she zaps her husband. The guy says to his wife, he says, this is, some, this is a little bit crazy. He goes, I'm going to go ask the rabbi. Goes to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Sometimes I feel bad for the Gidolim, like, you know. <laughs> As he, all he just wants to do is learn. The guy, now he comes with his pest control, yeah, you know. <laughs> comes to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, Dachilak, I'm sitting here in my apartment every day, scorpions, I don't know what's going on, I'm trying to get rid of it, I kill as many as I kill. There's always more, we can't find the source, no one understands what to do. Rabbi Chaim Kanyasi says, get me that book from on the shelf. Which book, he says? He says, get me the book, it says over there, Perek Shira. What's Perek Shira? Perek Shira is a book that says all the songs that all the animals, all the creations of this world, that they sing to God. And he gets the book. And he says, open up to Scorpion, Akrav. He opens up to Akrav. And he says, read me the Pasuk. What song is the song of the Scorpion? Matzeo Akrav, Omer, the Pasuk says, the Perek Shirat says, Akrav, Omer, the Scorpion says, Tob Adonai Lakol. God is good to all and His kindness on all of those that He has done, all those that He's created. All of a sudden, the guy realizes it like a, you know, like a 10-foot, uh, what's it called? A 10-pound brick hits him in the head. Shema Israel. We moved here. We didn't tell the Aigei. He goes running around B'nai Brak to find the guy. Finally, Baruch Hashem, he finds him. He says, I've been looking all over for you. He says, you have? He says, yeah. He goes, we wanted to invite you for dinner. They invite him for dinner. Immediately, the problem with the scorpion stop in his apartment. My friends, we operate in an impossible way. Prayers here, someone gets better in the hospital. Mitzvot here, someone gets better with a tzedakah situation somewhere else. That's how we work. That's how we think. That's how we act. My friends, when you act that way, if you are not overachieving, you are underachieving. That's what we are learning from Avraham Avinu. All it takes is 10 people, and 10 people could turn a whole city on its head. So ask yourself one question. Am I one of the 10? Outside of the synagogues in Israel, sometimes you hear there's a guy shouting, Asiri! Asiri! Minyan! Outside of Ashkenaz Shtibel. Atzenter! Atzenter! By the way, don't fall for it. Every time they tell you, a tent, a tent, you walk in there, there's four guys. Such a sketch. But my friends, sometimes I think to myself and I imagine that it is not the guy, the gabai of the shul, calling out a tenth, a tenth. Is there a tenth? It's not the guy who needs a minyan calling out, is there a tent, a tent. It is the voice of God himself saying, is there a tent? Because if there was ten, that would save the whole dinya. Do we have an asiri? Ask yourself, are you one of the ten? Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen